Welcome to Parkrun Life, and good morning from New Zealand. My name is Luke Morris, and I'm over in New Zealand, as I said, in Queenstown, exactly. Um, if this is your first episode of Parkrun Life, you've you've joined at a really odd time. I would I would suggest going to listen to the first series from episode one all the way through. That was um, I, I did that about. Oh, I didn't do. I started it about six months ago. So basically, if you, this is your first episode, hello, welcome. Um, the, about six months ago, I started this Parkrun Life series as I was training and learning to run well, run better uh, as I trained for a half marathon, um, and uh, it, it was filled with some tears and laughs and lots of fart jokes and. It, got some really nice feedback people people were really endearing about it they seemed to like it which was which is great which is what you hope which is what you want and I teased at the end of that that I might do a marathon and in a few hours I will I'm sending in a backpackers um, in a in a room by myself so I don't wake anybody else it's early in a few hours, the Queenstown Marathon will start and I'll be on the start line. And this special movie-length episode of Park One Life is about going from a half marathon to running the full, which is cool. I'm going to try and include all the classic Park One Life uh, elements. So there'll be me grumbling about uh, running and training and people involved with those steps and also interviews so first interview let's just jump straight into an interview with Stacey Harfield other interviews are going to be uh, Craig Drakeford who's a, a marathon runner he's, he's qualified from Boston and I'll interview Sean Helmut who's running coach at Mod um, Squad Running uh, but first of all Stacey Talk to Stacey about the commitment that it takes to do running. Well, we actually talked about a lot of things. There was running in park run for mental and physical health. Obviously, we talked about her favourite park runs, um, the improvements that she's seen, and the dedication that it takes. Because you know, Stacey works full time and is a single mum and runs marathons. Now she 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 said she. We'll get into it. You'll hear how she made the shift from being a park runner to a marathoner, and also a park runner, and the time management involved in prioritising things in your own life to make that happen. Here's Stacey. I'll be there too because I'm going to go and. Oh, are you going this year? I'm going this year. I'm booked. I was supposed to do the Queenstown Marathon, uh, what two years ago. And yeah. it got cancelled. <laughs> and I was going to be, it would have been a quirky thing where I was 42 and, and a bit going to run 42 and a bit kilometres. But yeah. now I'm going to be a bit older. But... Yeah, but I had the same vision. I was going to be 42 and run my first marathon and I was older. <laughs> Didn't quite work out. Have you done a marathon yet? Mm-hmm. You have? 
So I've done, yes, I've done three. And I also did another one that was a marathon distance, but I ran the 38K. It was like the peak training run in a marathon um, sort of um, adventure. And it was the 38K run and I was interstate and I thought it'll just be so much easier to do this massive 38K run with support. So I entered a marathon and I (laughs) ran the marathon. I ran the 38Ks and then I just walked the last four. (laughs) So. That's my cool down. <laughs> That's funny. Um, a, yeah. <laughs> you, you would have got a mouth on time. And it, did, it, did, yeah. Was there any temptation to just keep no, going? Down the <laughs> no, because I, because I was training um, for Gold Coast. So it was like the peak run, which was 38K in the training plan. And it was about four weeks before Gold Coast. So that like, you know, you just, you got to keep your eye on the end goal because it's so easy. I mean, there's so many events and you can just get swept up every weekend. There's something on and, but you can't race them all, you know, like you got to That's so interesting. Yeah. So I suppose you were running at a different pace. That, that 38K was a completely different pace to what you did at Gold Coast. Yeah. And actually the organizer ended up walking the last few Ks with me and he's like, are you okay? And I was like, oh, I plan to do this. Yeah, like I'm fine. I'm just going to walk the rest of the way back because I couldn't, like I was 4K out, so I had to get back to the start. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I did that one. I did. Um, well, that's I, my, I love did... that dedication just by the way. I love that, that <laughs> focus that you could have ticked it off the bucket list then and there, but you went, no, it's not part yeah, of no, My spreadsheet no. doesn't say to do it today. Well, that was the thing. So when I started training for the marathon, I was training for the Gold Coast Marathon um, for last year. And that was going to be my first marathon. Um, And I um, signed up with Sean at the start of the year. And I said, I just want to say that I've run one marathon. I don't want to walk it. I want to be fit enough to run Uh, the whole thing. I don't want to be collapsing on the side of the road. Um, I just want to have you know, the backing behind me and the confidence to do it. So I trained from, I think we started in the February um, and then three days before the marathon, the whole uh, Gold Coast uh, marathon got cancelled because of oh, the COVID sh- lockdowns. Oh. So we That's did, heartbreaking. It was, did- it was heartbreaking, yeah, because, I mean, five months literally we had, you know, I followed that. I mean, you know what the plans are like, like yeah. to the letter, like yes. to the letter. <laughs> um, and it was devastating. So, how hard we really was it lucky. to fit that plan in? Well, it, it yeah, that that is the hardest bit, and that's what I find now with back working in the office and the kids being back at school during COVID when everyone was at home. It was a great opportunity because I could fit in those massive training runs. Um, whereas now, I mean, on the weekends I could do it, but during the week fitting yeah. in, you know, a massive marathon training run is really hard um, because I'm not a morning person. Um, <laughs> I really struggle. If I'm meeting someone um, to run, then I'm good. I'm like, I'm always, um, you know, like committed and I would never let anyone down. I would turn up. Um, but if it's just, oh, I just have to get up on my own and do this run. I am the shocking snooze button pressure and and then it's too late and, you know, so I find that really difficult. And I also find it hard, um, 
you know, not running with other people. Like if you're getting up really early and it's pitch black because, you know, there's always that sort of safety issue as well. Um, So that's sort of something to consider um, when you're, yeah, like some of the runs we were sort of getting up and starting at 5.30 and, you know, in winter it's pitch black until nearly seven. So um, they were really tough uh, runs to do. Um, And as I said, I followed it to the letter. So if it was sleeting rain, we still did the run. Like, you know, you just have that commitment to do it. Um, So I did end up running a marathon, but we ran – Taralgan, which was um, a week later uh, out in the country. So it was like, do we just do our own? Sean was going to organise his own marathon around Albert Park. And then because this event was there, there was, I think there was four or five of us. um, We ended up all going down to Taralgan and we ran um, the Taralgan marathon. So that was my first one. Oh, oh, wow. Um, Yeah. That that would have been, I mean, it's terrible that the one you were aiming for got cancelled, but you you were just... Had to relocate for a week, I guess. Yeah. yeah. On, so the, on just, the upside. Exactly. So it worked out really well. So I still still got to tick off the marathon, um, even though it wasn't the one that I planned on. Um, but then, of course, I was like, you know, I'd originally said, oh, I'm just going to do one. And then I think <laughs> you get the whole, oh, I think I could beat that time. I think I could tackle that a little differently and I could yeah and then you get sort of caught up with the I'll just do one more um (laughs) and that's kind of what I've you know I'll just I'll just do this other one and so I ended up doing just a virtual marathon around a local place um in the October instead of the Melbourne marathon because that got pushed out to the December yep um and I just didn't have the headspace to do another two months or however long it was training after they moved it so I was like, no, nah, I'm just still going to focus on the October date and I'm just going to run my own marathon. So I did that. Um, right. so that did you have October. support set up for that? Yeah. Or were you carrying water bottles? Yeah. No, nah, I had a whole crew. <laughs> <laughs> I had my parents, my kids oh. came down. Oh, that's great. Um, Annette ran with me um, for most of it. Um, my friend Beck was there with uh, gels and fluid and we'd set up a little card table and um, it was like an 8K loop, so I just kept running and looping around and I would just get what I needed. And um, Oh, yeah, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. That's a good way to do it, yep. Yeah, so that was really good. Um, and then, of course, I tackled, I did that training run, which was the third one, and then I did Gold Coast um, in July this year. So you Actually, finally, finally got to do Gold Yeah, yes. yeah. Finally got up there and, and did it. So now it's sort of contemplating, well, you know, what's, yeah, what's next? What's what's after? Well, the question, have you enjoyed the process of run or the training? Because there's a lot of training. Are, are you enjoying like seeing your times improve or are you enjoying yeah. just the running? What's, what's so, the motivation? I think the motivation is, well, I, I originally um, – started running again for sort of like my own mental health and my own fitness. Um, And doing that, I basically just started um, at Park Run. Um, And that's where I've kind of met everyone through sort of starting that that Park Run journey a few years back. Um, I had run on and off over the years, but nothing, you know, nothing too major, just doing my own thing. Um, And then sort of once I've got yeah got the momentum going and then once I started coaching with Sean um like I was running 
times like now I never thought I would ever do in my life like I never thought I'd break a two-hour half marathon never thought I'd break you know sort of 26 27 minutes for a 5k you know an hour or you know 58 minutes for a 10 um and I'm running so much quicker than that now I just um I think I've really surprised myself but but then again I am really like I'm really regimented in ticking off all the training I mean I don't always do a great job but I do get (laughs) out there and give it a crack so you know well I was just I mean personally I I had that a couple of days ago I think it was no yesterday morning yesterday morning's run was junk like I got out there I did the k's but afterwards like I thought oh that was I didn't feel good about that during that run at all that was that was that was a run that I wish had ended earlier yeah yeah, but and I think everybody has those. Yeah. And I always think, I mean, I've had training runs where I've just thought, oh, I should just go home now. Like, I don't know why I'm still trying to push through this. Yeah. It's just, and I've finished it. And I, it was the week I had COVID, actually. I didn't know I had COVID at the time, but I went out to do this massive 20K training run. And oh my God, it was the worst wow. run. I felt terrible. I was not hitting the paces at all. But I pushed through and I finished the 20K. Um, and then, of course, With I COVID. tested positive for COVID <laughs> the next morning. So I messaged Sean and said, oh, I just tested positive for COVID. And he was like, oh, oh that explains yesterday's run. <laughs> he obviously looked at it and thought, what the hell? Like, <laughs> um, But the fact was that I, I wasn't going to give up. And, and I, I am a bit like that. It's very rare that I would, I would call it. Um, I usually think, well, even if you push through to the end, it's still kilometres in your legs, you know. Um, sometimes the hardest bit is is just getting going. Um, and then once you're, you've started, it's like, okay, it's, it's fine. I've had so many runs where I've started with heavy legs and just thought, oh, my God, I don't know whether I can even get going. And then once you're a couple of K in, you're like, actually, I don't feel so bad now and I'm, I'm pushing on. So, yeah. Was that so? You mentioned though that you you can find it hard getting up in the morning and having to go do that run. (laughs) Are there tricks other than I suppose it is that that trick of having someone to go off and do a run with? I mean, that was for me as a thing. Park run was like, yeah, I've got to go out there and there's a bunch of people to go run with. That was the motivator to get me back into running. Is there was there a little trick you used to get yourself out of bed when you don't want it? definitely having a running buddy um and i was really lucky um annette in in our group is um is a is a bright sprightly morning person so she's <laughs> great to run with in the mornings um so that that was definitely a massive um support um but i think sometimes you got to talk through your day as well like when i you know sort of plan out my day and and i am a project manager by sort of trade so I am usually quite an organized person you know I know what meetings I have I know what's happening with the kids and I can work out where I can fit things in some days I can fit a lunch run in um some days I think oh it's only six or eight k I can do it straight after work um you know I, I can sort of plan out and some days you think if I don't get up and do that run at that time I'm going to be doing it at dark at the end of the day. Um, and I know I'm not going to be happy about that. And so I really talk, like you do, you really self-talk on, 
okay, Stacey, just, you know, do it. Um, and I have to say the times where I have, you know, forced myself, you never regret getting up and doing a run. You never get to the end and just think, oh, I wish I'd just stayed in bed. You know, you always feel like you've achieved something um, and you feel sort of better for it. And it, and it does like we, uh, and, and I ran this morning. It's just a great start to the day. I know it's ticked off now. I don't have to worry about for the rest of the day. I can take my dog for a walk tonight and I can just relax. I don't have to worry about um, trying to squeeze it in. So I do like running in the morning because I think it's, um, it is a, a really good start to the day. Um, but yeah, sometimes, you know, I, I have a trying to get people at work now starting to walk and run at lunchtimes um, just to, you know, to break up the day because it really does help your, your mental state to take that break, get some fresh air. Um, and so, yeah, I have run a few times um, at work. I, at my old work a few years back, I, I was running three lunchtimes a week, just 5k. Oh, wow. Um, just, yeah, just to get out of the office. Um, and I had it all streamlined. So I would like get changed, um, you know, do the run, work for a bit while I cooled down, have a shower, I had everything all lined up and strategically placed. So it was like quick, <laughs> quick, quick, quick. So I had it all, I could get it all in the hour and yeah. So you just have to plan it. it it's definitely doable. Gee, that's a, that's a cool thing. So there's a lot of fall planning because I think you said you're a single mum, you're working a full-time job, you're doing marathon training and it's just a lot of planning ahead. Yeah, yeah. It's just making sure you, and, and I'm sure um, all the, uh, the the people sort of training for anything do the same thing. You yeah. know, you start your week by having a look. What have I got on this week? Um, you know, and there's been times where I've rearranged runs to fit. You know, yeah. oh, I've got to go to the office that day. I'll do that run the day before, and then I'll, um, you know, swap that for that one, and just to fit things in. Um, but if you look ahead and you're looking at your week, then, you know, it's definitely, um, you know, you've got time to sort of plan around things and yeah. And look, some things pop up and, and it doesn't always go to plan, but mostly if you, yeah, look ahead and see what you've got, then, you know, it's sort of easy to, it's, it's definitely doable if, you know, if you, yeah, spend the time and just work out how you're going to fit it in. Um, it's definitely achievable. We both know. And sometimes it's the five thirty AM run that you have to do yeah. to fit it in. I <laughs> laughed right. so much. I, I, I keep getting his first name. Alou Kachoge. Yeah. Did he completed the um, did the world record at Berlin uh, a, a few days ago. And Amazing. I laughed so much when the guy like he was it was ten K to go or something. And the commentator said, and this is what pays off for all those 5.30 a.m. runs. <laughs> and I was like, he doesn't have to do that. He's running full time. He, yeah, he doesn't exactly. have to get up and then go to work. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing, you know, that's what I think people forget when they say, oh, you're doing a marathon. They, I've seen this really awesome graphic of like, uh, I have to try and find it, but it's like a cartoon with three people standing on the podium you know, and the people in front of them cheering them. And then underneath, it's just got this massive section of like 5.30 runs, running in the rain, nutrition, you know, yeah. injury, like all the things that go with uh, training for something like that. 
but people just have no idea how yeah. many, you know, when you say to people, oh, I ran, you know, 80K last week, that's massive. That's a huge load. Um, and it's like, you got to fit that in over seven days. Yeah. People have no idea. People ask me how I fit it in. And it's like, well, I'm, I run five days a week. Um, and I definitely take those two rest days and I really do, you know, savor them. Um, <laughs> but yeah. It's, but you're never on a rest day wishing you could go for a run? No, I usually really look forward <laughs> to just having that. Yeah, not, not thinking about it. But then some days I, you know, I might not be like, excited about going out for a run but then when I start running I'm like so glad that I did make the effort um I think it would be really easy not to I can always find something to do at work or at home or you know there's always other things to do um but like I always when people ask me how I do it um I I have heaps of work to do I can always I could sit here and work 10 hours a day and still have stuff to do but if you don't stop and prioritize your yeah. own life, your work people and your friends and that, they, they don't do it for you. You've got to do it for you. Um, so you have to set your own boundaries and say, well, I'm going to finish at five o'clock tonight because I've got to run 8K after work. And I'm really regimented in that because I, you know, it's for my own health and well-being that I do it. And I'm a better work person because I run as well. Um, oh, and I think people forget so that. True. Yeah, I had I went to a, a conference and someone said that they start the day doing things they need because that makes them actually better at work. So they yeah. do some meditation, they do some exercise, they write there's that person and then they write their journal and then they feel like they're clear and ready to work and they're far more productive and effective because exactly. they've taken care of themselves before they try and take care of others. Yeah, things. and if you're a healthy, happy, content person, you're a better person at work, you're a better mum, you know, you're a better person within yourself, you're a happier person. So, I, yeah, I'm really, yeah. you know, a strong advocate for, yeah, taking time out, you know, and as I said, you, you've got to plan it. You can't just be like, well, I'm off for a two-hour run, I don't care, whatever happens, you guys sort it out. <laughs> you do have to plan it and be responsible about it. About <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, there's times where we all want to do that. Just, you guys sort it out, I'm doing a two-hour run. But um, I think, yeah, if you plan around things and you let, you know, like if I fit, you know, I work different hours because I work with an international company. So sometimes I, I have late meetings. So I might... Um, you know, go for a run in the morning and, and start a bit later or take a bit longer at lunchtime. And I think as long as you plan that and people know what you're doing, it's, you know, that's what we do now. Like we can be flexible, um, especially with the, the way we work now, working from home or, or, you know, juggling hours. You can be flexible. You just have to be organised about it and plan and have your stuff on hand. <laughs> um. Speaking of stuff, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap up with a couple of quick questions. What do, you, yep. what do you know about Queenstown? What, 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 what do we expect? Because you're going to go there and do a half marathon. Have yes. You, have, what, so what, what, I know what do you know about flat. the course? It's not flat. Someone it's told me flat. that it has, it's like a bit of its off road. Yes. Heard I've heard ah. it's a little bit traily, a little bit okay. traily, um, and definitely not flat. Uh, I thought it was sort of like downhill because I thought we got the bus up and then they just take you because it's supposed to be beautiful and not yes and they describe I, it they describe it as flat out beautiful 
but it's not yeah. flat. <laughs> I, I think I definitely don't think it's flat. I think they like to use the word undulating, thinking that that makes it sound beautiful and rolling hills, but really that just means incline. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I'm not a massive hill runner. It's definitely not my strong point. Um, and if there's a choice between a hilly route and a flat route, I'll always take the flat one. <laughs> so uh, I am really going to focus on trying to include some hills in the next sort of month yeah. just while Can't we stay, lead so. up to that. Hills pay the bills. That's, the, that's <laughs> what you got to do. Yeah. So, yeah, um, that it's definitely not flat. <laughs> well, well, can but, I have a guess then? Because I was going to ask you what, what your favourite park run, well, not your favourite, but a park run that you actually like. And would that be something like, I'm trying to guess what's flat, Maribyrnong's flat? Uh, well, that's a great question because um, Wilson Botanic down here in Berwick is uh, probably one of the most beautiful park runs. However, done it's that one. very hilly. Oh, you should definitely come and do it, Luke. Let that me know good. and I'll go with you there. Um, yeah. But, yeah, very, very hilly, but, you know, beautiful. Like you really work hard to get up this hill and it is so worth it when you get when you look out over, you know, the suburb at the top, um, it's really, really pretty. And you get to do it twice because uh, it's a two-lap <laughs> course. Um, uh-huh. So I really like that one. Um, but I also really like uh, Berwick Waters, which is at a, in a newer sort of estate um, because that is flat and it's two laps and it's, um, you know, and the people there are really lovely and the, the lady uh, that takes the photos there just always seems to take, really good running photos you know how some I have a lot of photos where I look horrific when I'm running like often both feet are on the ground I yeah. look like I have this horror look on my face like like I'm about to you know just turn into a zombie or something like I have the worst I have a lot of photos I have a lot of photos where it looks like I'm just walking <laughs> yeah, it's like, like, at, what are you doing at that event just standing still like I was running my heart out like <laughs> And then uh, but this lady, I got some photos from the, you know, that were posted the other week and both my feet are off the ground and oh. I actually look happy. And so, yeah, they take really good photos there too. So if your feet are off the ground, it's good. <laughs> it is. You need some sort of flexed muscle in there as well. I think that might be yeah. another. Yeah, I don't have any of that either. Yeah. Um, but th- thanks for that, Stacey. Great to have a chat. Go to... Yeah, you too. Hear your input. There's a lot of life advice in that that I really liked. So thank you very much. That's awesome. That's my pleasure. That was a great chat with Stacey I had. Um, lots of fun. Great, great person. She is also in Queenstown at the moment with me. Uh, for well, not me specifically. Just for both in Queenstown. There's there's hundreds. I can tell you. There's actually thousands of people in Queenstown. There's like twelve thousand people entered in the Queenstown Marathon events, not just the marathon itself, but the half marathon and the 10K. Um, But 12,000 tourists, it's a big event. Uh, (laughs) um, I did want to say, we touched on the process. There was something in that. Um, I saw a interview with Cadell Evans, who won the Tour de France a few years ago. He was asked about what he enjoyed like what he liked about winning the Tour de France, what was it? And you know, and you'd expect it to be, you know, a, a specific stage or uh, being on the podium 
or some sort of accolade that he got, you know, like a phone call from, I don't know who the Prime Minister at the time was, but maybe uh, Ed Sheeran. I don't know. Ed Sheeran probably wasn't a thing when Cadell won. Anyway, point being, he said he enjoyed the process, like the whole package, like starting to plan how to win the tour, going through all the training rides, working with his teammates, making sure he had his body right, doing all the things. He said he liked the process. And that's what I've enjoyed about my marathon training. Personally, uh, if you don't enjoy all the long runs, and I haven't actually enjoyed all the long runs, to be honest, but I've enjoyed taking the time and making sure that I do do as much good things for me as possible and I suppose that's it this is this is something I'm doing for me it's not I'm not representing Australia or anybody else it's it's a personal thing and and it's good to take that time and it's something that is enjoyable I also interviewed Craig Drakeford that's the next interview we're going to go with Craig why would I interview Craig well the main reason is he's qualified for Boston. He's a really good marathon runner. He's done sub-three-hour marathon. I wanted to know what I could learn from him. He also gives some great advice on <laughs> what podcasts to listen to, uh, all the all the little one-percenters that you have to do to, to be an excellent marathon runner, which I don't think I am, but it's, it's nice to see that that, that is the gap. With, what, what is that gap that, that starts making someone from just the plot along person like me to someone who can qualify for major events like Craig. He also talks about guided running for blind people and that's really interesting and that's that's a great thing to be part of. Um, but he starts off, he start off talking about his running. I will preface this a little bit. He talks about his uh, mental health and his, his, um, uh, his coming to running is, is through a diagnosis of ADHD. And then afterwards, he, was, he said, I was a bit surprised to start talking about that. And so I checked with him. He's happy for it to be included because he said it's part of who he is. But it's really interesting as how running helps people, for me, take more time to look after myself. For Stacey, it's, it's, it's again something that helps her, her fitness and her, her enjoyment of her life. But... Um, the mental health aspect of people going out and doing these things. There's lots of personal stories, and this is Craig's. So, how was the one this morning? Yeah, it was good. It was, uh, you know, it was good to get out there. I just had a couple of podcasts going, so it was, uh, it, it was good. You know, normally running with someone, but it's nice every now and again just to have the have a podcast and knock the case over. That's good. What podcast do you get into? Do you, do you have a, a set? few or do you, do you scatter around uh yeah i do have a set few um so i listen to uh, i try to listen to uh running podcasts while i'm running um so i listen to the uh, inside running uh, yep. podcast and um yeah i also listen to the marathon training academy uh and today oh. i was listening to the how how we games actually with the just stenson interview so yeah quite good what did you learn from the the suspension interview? Well, I'm still halfway through it because um, I was listening to the inside running first. But um, yeah, so I'm just sort of up to the bit where uh, she's starting to prepare for her Birmingham Commonwealth Games. But um, just talks about 
sort of some of her, her childhood and, and sort of how she found running. Uh, so, yeah, it seems quite good. Oh, yeah. I saw some video of her as a as a kid um, running, and it's one of those things where you think, how, do, how what separates these elites from the rest of the pack? And the video of her in a pack run, well, it wasn't really a pack run. It was her streets ahead of everybody else and then a pack. And it's like, ah, oh, she's always been very good. Yeah, she talks about how um she actually wanted to make it as a netballer, actually. Oh. Um, but, yeah, all of her family been quite successful. So, obviously, her brother was an early draftee to the Melbourne Football Club. And um, I think her, her sister... He's into rowing or something, but um, made it at, at the Australian level. So, um, yeah, they're a pretty successful family. Well, what got you into running? What got you into the sports side of things? Um, so, you know, just sort of growing up at school, you know, you, you're sort of into these, um, you know, the school cross country and the athletics carnivals and, you know, you seem to sort of do okay. So it was something that I sort of was pretty good at as a junior. Um yeah. But never really, it wasn't really something that was sort of pushed by mum and dad. So I didn't really um, do the athletics or, or, or cross country like that. I spent most of my time playing junior football. Okay. And then, yeah, sort of through my late 20s, uh, mid-20s, I sort of tried to find running to get a little healthy. And um, actually, I uh, was in, in my late 20s diagnosed with ADHD. Oh, yeah. Um, so running was one of the um, one of the things to sort of get me off the medication and um, to be able to, you know, um, just process life better. Um, how, so does, that, how does that help there? Of, oh, just just with the in, endorphins and resetting my um, headspace. Um, yeah. You know, I, I like to be I like to be busy um, and. Um, you know, if I, sh- I have lots of energy, so if I don't consume the energy, um, it can can play a bit of havoc <laughs> on me. But yeah, that's the running is uh, is really good for that. Yeah, and I can imagine that also, well, like you said, reset. If you're out for a long run, your your brain has to sort of, I don't know. Does 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 it help clear the mind? Do you find or how, how yeah, does it absolutely. help you reset? Like obviously, obviously I'd, I you know I love to run in the morning before work. You know, it really sets my my day off to a good start but um then there's those days where like you've had a really bad day at work and there's nothing better than sort of just coming home go for a jog clear the mind and you just find you're a better husband better parent you know um just because you've it allows you to reset take yourself out of that uh work mode and uh and back into family life so you said you discovered that was that something you discovered in your your late twenties, or you yeah you, you took some medication and then you used running to help get off it? Uh, yeah, so it was kind of uh, always probably, or oh, maybe maybe Craig has this, um, and then <laughs> yeah. it got to sort of my um, yeah my late twenties, my where my career started to um, head in, you know, a, a direction where I was starting to. Um, spent some time in some senior roles and it was probably time then where I needed to go and find out. So I, I went and got um, tested and, and all the rest of it. And, you know, the, once they tell you have, you have ADHD, they prescribe you with medication. Right. Um, so yeah. um, 
and it's it's just not the type of medication that you really want to be on um, forever. So they, you know, they encourage you to go to try and find other things, and sort of running was one of those um, things. And so um, when I'm injured, uh, it probably plays up a little bit, a little bit worse um, because I can't sort of get out there and and be active. But yeah. That's amazing. I didn't. I I did know that um, uh, medication is, uh, helps because if uh, there's there's lots of reasons. One I got told was basically if you've got an issue that's impacting your brain, that's a, a whole series of chemicals and chemicals are what help balance that out. But I didn't know that, and I also knew that it's good to get off them, but it's hard. I, I've been told that it is hard work to to reset the brain but i didn't know that running was something that helped people so much mentally in that in that space that's cool yeah well certainly certainly works for me so it's the you know it's my uh it's my happy place it's what i love to do my number one thing is that what got you like because you one of the reasons i wanted to chat to you was advice on on marathons and and your involvement in, in having trained to qualify for boston eventually but why was that long run was it just long running that just got you into marathons or was there a, an interest in that to start off with um no so so i suppose um you know i just sort of, i would normally just typically get out the door and you, you you go for a run and um like a lot of people you probably go out run as hard and fast as you can yeah you, so you can't run anymore and, and that's yeah. what you do and then i um you know, I started to build some consistency and, uh, um, yeah, I did a couple of fun runs along the way. Um, and then, um, yeah, sort of had an online coach, um, there really early on a guy by the name of Pat Carroll, who's based up in Brisbane. Yep. Um, just trying to, you know, this was back before I suppose running groups were so prevalent. Um, how long ago is this? Oh, this would be probably 10, 10 years ago now. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I sort of um, was running around at Waverley Park one day and saw that there was a running group there called TXR Runners. And, um, yeah, I ended up joining up with them. And I suppose the rest is, is history from there, how I sort of then progressed um, and and realised that running could be a sport, I suppose, for a um, middle-aged person because, you know, you grow up and you think, well, you know, you're not a junior anymore. So <laughs> you sort of can't really compete i suppose um but i just love the running where i'm not relying on any team members i'm not yeah. relying on any re- referees to make any good or bad decisions like it's all up to me yeah um that's that's the beauty and why i love the sport yeah it's weird i, I don't like to think of it as like I, I like it because i can control it because i don't want to think that i'm a controlling person but i i, I like the fact that yeah it is it's down to you. you. You can set the time to go train. You can set the times you go and do those events, and you can. And really, you're fighting your own PB. You're not, you know, if your shoelace comes undone, kicking a, a ball, your team can lose. But if your shoelace comes undone, that's you know, that's a few seconds off your PB or whatever one you do. You're 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 the one who who's impacted, and you're the one who's chasing your own goals. That's right. Yeah. I, uh... I suppose to use your words, I do like the fact that I'm in control, you know, whether it be a 
5k race, 10k race, or a marathon. Ultimately, there's no one to blame. Um, if you're, you know, I'm super competitive, um, and there's no one to blame for the outcome, but, but I suppose yourself. Um, and that's what that's one of the things I love about it. So, with the marathons, when did you get the first idea to start training? If if you started with a running group ten years ago, how, when was the first marathon you ran? Um, so my first marathon was um, was actually Gold Coast in twenty eighteen. I think it was twenty eighteen. Um, I did sign up for Melbourne the year prior, um, but sort of had an injury, never made the start line. Um, but yeah, it was just hanging around with you know other like minded runners, and yeah. um, back early on, I was sort of built a connection with a one of the coaches at. at TXR and he was a um he was actually an ultra marathon runner so the the exposure was there to the longer distance I never really ever thought I would run a marathon um but then you start hanging around like-minded people <laughs> yeah um and you think oh this will be a good idea I'll just do one so yeah did you plan just did you did you start out because I started out just thinking oh 10k is far enough and then I <laughs> did then I did a half marathon and thought oh yeah that's okay <laughs> I don't know if I want to go further yeah. than that. And then there's and then just said, that just dangling do... carrot. And it's like, I'll just do one. <laughs> yeah. And so you did the one. That was only four years ago. So you did one four years ago. Because now you've qualified for Boston. When when did that become the dream? Because that's a, Boston's the, the big international. I don't know if it is the, the one with the most entries. Is it the biggest marathon in the world? Certainly, um, of the six world majors, probably you know the most prestigious for the runner. Um, yep. You know, um, they are all very special in their own right, but I think Boston is the one that probably um, is the most special to to the runner um, in terms of the field sizes. Um, I don't necessarily think it's the largest, but um, yeah, probably the most special. So, yeah, I think it was Gold Coast. Um, 2018. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, I sort of ran. I I ran that marathon, and um, yeah, the plan was to sort of run under under four hours, and you know that's kind of the goal for a lot of people. And yeah, I ran sort of well under that, and um, that was the moment when I thought, well, maybe, maybe I can qualify for Boston. Because that has um, to be under three hours, doesn't it? Yeah, so the qualifying times have shifted a little bit. So the um, qualifying time uh, at the moment is three hours ten, but you yep. generally need a few minutes underneath. So, um, yeah, on that particular day, I ran three hours nineteen. So I was, just, yeah, I was close. So I oh, thought, wow. oh, maybe I can do this. Yeah. Wow. So your your first marathon was three hours nineteen. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's pretty good. Well, I suppose um, he had six years of something like five or six years of running with uh, a group to build up that fitness. Because I've heard it takes like four years before you really start seeing really good results. Like you see results fairly early on, but getting that getting those big breakthroughs takes that those few years of practice. Yeah. Yeah. It does certainly the kilometers in the legs and whatnot, that particular race, I probably overachieved a little bit. Like it was, 
prior to to the Adelaide marathon just gone it was by far my best executed marathon being my first because I was not so aggressive and and pretty conservative oh, okay um, early on so yeah I, I was able to run a relatively good time that yeah I had a couple of others after that 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 weren't that great um um, why, why was that? What was the mistake in the other ones? Oh, so different things. Like I ran Melbourne um, in, um, it must have been 2019, that the 355. Like I probably shouldn't have got on the start line. I was pretty injured, had an issue. I was skipping uh, long runs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there was another one at Gold Coast where I just went out a little, went out way too hard and got into a, a world of trouble at, you know, 30, 30K. And then I ran one other at Gold Coast, which Sean actually coached me for. It was the first one that he had coached me for. And that was where I ran uh, I ran 308 for that one. Oh. Yeah, so that was my PB. And then sort of after that, yeah, we were sort of priming to go for that Boston qualifier, but, but COVID happened. So that yeah. sort of put that on hold for a while. How did you cope running through COVID? Um, so the selfish me initially, I really loved it because um, I could run whenever I wanted. I um, life yeah. got easier in terms of the the family commitments, like being able to get the kids sports and all all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, so initially, it was it was um, from that perspective, it was good. But um, I was saying that at the start when I expected it only to be a short period of time and not go on for for a couple of years. But then there were there were no races and I was in really, really good shape, probably um, probably the best shape that I had sort of been in. And, um, yeah, there were no races. And then I then I got injured and then obviously not being able to uh, sort of go out and have several several injuries. Um, that then made COVID quite quite difficult because, you know, you're housebound and yeah. can't run and can't see people. It makes life pretty challenging most people went through yeah have the injuries healed are you, are you mostly injury free now um looks like i've sort of you know typically i i train i have a race i run um relatively well and, and sort of achieve a goal when i normally come out of that with some type of injury yeah um so it looks like i've sort of got through adelaide and come out of it um unscathed so yeah it's good to be running um, consist consistently. Well, that's the thing. Talking talking about marathons and the impact it has on the body. I mean, I'm I don't I don't really know what to expect. I'm sort of approaching my first one as just a learning experience. Like you said, not going out hard, not setting up any major goals to start off with. But I'm also sort of wary that uh, a day or two later the legs might seize up, and I might not be able to able to walk. How how have you found the recoveries of marathons? Is there any tips I can I can start planning for? Well, yeah. Look, I suppose um, I pulled up probably the worst after my um, my first one. I remember uh, I remember like trying to walk downstairs and all these kinds of things, yeah. just like impossible i swore i thought my body would never return but um to its original <laughs> condition but um i suppose i found that that with each marathon i've done like I, i've recovered 
um, much much better um, yeah. the following day. The key the key is to just like anything uh, to make sure that you you sort of do the work along the way. You know, you you do all the recovery um, post the, the 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 race. You know, a lot of people um, sort of probably just finish the race and then get on with life, um, and then you wake up the next morning and um, you're really really sore. Whereas if you were doing your 36k long run, you would probably have done some type of recovery. So where most people I think go wrong is after the marathon actually don't don't recover. What do, what do you mean? Do you mean by stretches or by massage or by as many electrolytes as your body will consume? What what can't what is there anything in particular? Yeah, so you know, I for me it's just about trying to get the same routine as I, what I would normally do at home. So like I would typically after a long run um, have some type of um, cold water ice type um, type therapy where I would uh, either you know, have my legs in you know in in the pool say here in a, a cold winter morning in in melbourne or a um you know, big bucket with some an ice bath so to speak uh-huh. um again yeah making sure that i'm i'm hydrating um getting the food back in and and uh getting myself uh sort of back to back back to where i was pre the run and do 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 you do massages? Do you do you roll out after after a run or, or marathon? Is is that highly important? Should I should I be booking something in or bringing a roller with me? I typically do do a bit of stretching. Um, I don't look. I'm, I probably should do more rolling. I, I'm not a huge fan um, of rolling. I just find it. Uh, it's one of the one of the things I should do more of, but I do do a lot of massage. So sort of leading into a mar- marathon, I would be getting a massage at least every two weeks. But um, through those um, later weeks, I would get one every week. It's probably um, you probably don't want to be getting a massage, you know, straight away after a marathon. But certainly, um, as the body starts to heal a few days later, it, uh, it couldn't couldn't do any harm. Yeah, and I heard someone say uh, one of the big things is don't try and run afterwards. Like give yourself an easy at least a week or two off the feet as much as possible. Yeah, that's right. Like I think people and I've I've felt in, through that um, before where you just try to rush back. So you oh yep I can. It's like oh, well I can't run today or maybe I can run tomorrow or maybe I can run the next day. But I think it was a full two weeks this time around before I actually went went for After a run. Adelaide. Yeah. So I had um had some some days where I went out there and did some walking. Um yep. but yeah, really tried to give my uh my body um time time to recover. So you know, you put your body through a lot of pressure and a lot of strain on your body. Um some people have you know are blessed and are able to just go and back up but all the research tells you that you should um, you, sh- you should really look after your body those sort of two to four weeks post marathon. Four as much as four weeks post post marathon, still uh, yeah, taking yeah. it easy. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder how much of that is because when you're talking about doing ice baths and and lots of that's something I don't do. I've, I've never uh, ran a cold bath and and tried to soak myself in that. But that's where I was just imagining those um, one what what you might refer to as one percenters that get you those 
that extra gain? Because you you told me last time we were chatting that there's such a finite percentage of people that can a run a marathon, then uh, run it under three hours. And I did a little googling, and the difference between people who can run like a marathon in under four hours to three hours and even three hours and 10 minutes is like, it's a huge gap. It it, it was something like 40% of people can potentially run under four hours, but within that there's like 5% that can do it in under three hours and 10. And then even less than that can do it in under three hours. It seems such a, it sounds like a small amount, but the gap of abilities seems not ability, but execution or achievement is so huge. Does that make sense? Do you know what I'm? Yeah, yeah, it does. Like it, I suppose you, you know, some people are just blessed with, you know, um, talent. I wouldn't necessarily say that um, I'm one of those. You know, it is about the one percenters. You know, the things that there's nothing more. That I, that I love about running is actually going on a group run with you know the the people that I've sort of met through running over the over the years but I really had to sacrifice all of that and do a lot of solo 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 training and as much as yeah you know that's you know you love it and you get faster and you get stronger and you get better um it does you know take a lot of that social side out of it and they're the they're probably some of the sacrifices that you need to make along the way and then making sure that when you are running that hard you know you're running a a um up tempo long run where you know you're 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 under a little bit of pressure or you're doing a a long run that's got a kick down at the end you know it's about making sure that you do everything that you can possibly do on that sunday afternoon to to make sure that you know come monday or tuesday when your next run is on that you're you're fresh enough to be able to go and execute again. And is it things you do beforehand? Like, so, you know, if you're doing your long runs Sunday, you, you, you're setting things up on Saturday as well, I imagine. Yeah, so I've got a sort of pretty strict routine um, in terms of what I do to prepare for a big long run, you know, in terms of the on, – on Saturday I'd be making sure that, you know, I was, I was hydrating appropriately, Um yeah, you know, eating the right things. My my Saturday night um, dinner for a marathon campaign would probably be exactly the same um, for ten ten or so consecutive weeks. Um, and then again in the morning, the routine sort of exactly the same to make sure that you've when you when you walk out that that door, you're ready to go. You're hydrated. You know, you're energized. And you're ready to go. One thing I was going to ask. Uh... Because we we touched on this last time we we spoke, guided running. You've done that as a um, an exercise, helping people who uh, I've it's vision impaired mostly. I assume with guided running. Is that that's correct? Yeah, that's right. So um, not as much these days, but uh, I suppose a few years ago there was a sort of a group of um, four or five of us that would go um, go out running. Particularly on our on our long run, um, and yeah, a friend of ours, he's uh, completely blind, um, and um, yeah, he's quite quite fast. Um, so you know, he he struggles to try and find, I suppose, people who can who can take him out because um, 
not only does he need someone who can guide him, but you know, to run at his pace, you need someone yeah. that's that's relatively quick. Um, and um, I uh, forgive me the time, but I, I'm pretty sure he ran uh, a three three tw- three hours twenty, I think, um, marathon. And uh, for the life of me, I can't imagine what it would be like um, taking <laughs> all those steps um, and, and not not knowing where you're putting your foot down or. Or what what what's in front of you, but it's a pretty how, um, how, yeah. How much of that is the guide's responsibility to to make sure that their footfalls are? I mean, obviously there's well, elevations and things. Do do you try and say if you're running alongside them, do you have to be fit enough to also communicate clearly and speak while running? Yeah, so that's the thing. So not only do you need to be able to run their pace, but you need to be able to run. Um, a little bit quicker because um, you need to be at, you still need to be able to communicate okay um, and you need to think about every single thing um, like um, you know a blind, a blind person so to speak but with eye with, with the eyesight right so you yeah. need to be able to talk them into everything so if there's a change in surface um, you need to count them into that um, you know the the turns. Ah. And, you, know, you need to count them into the turns and also talk about um you know whether it's a it's a sharp turn or you know there's a lot of courses out there that have got u-turns um or um you know it might be just a long sort sort of right hander but you need to you need to talk talk through these things um because when they put their foot down from bitumen and all of a sudden it lands on gravel if you don't tell if you haven't told them that they'll think they've run off the track Oh yeah, same as like bridges and all all these bits and pieces. So, um, and that's why um, in a large marathon or a race where there's a uh, a blind runner, they'll generally have someone guiding, and then they'll have what they call a bulldozer. So, um, someone will be actually in front, just trying to clear a bit of the space. Just because you know what it's like when it when you're in the crowd, sometimes you're sort of in and out, left, right. You can't do that when you're um running with someone but we would um yeah we would typically run with this guy um, a lot on our you know 20 30k long runs and yeah a few of us would sort of um take it in turns because it it does get tiring um because you need to be you need to your mind needs to be on um that whole time and then and then yeah it's even more so when you're trying to do quality work right because um i remember one day doing mile repeats and uh yeah, he he just blew me up because I just, uh, you know, you, you're thinking about all the all the other stuff, trying to breathe, um, and run yourself. It, get, it does get quite challenging, but it's very very rewarding experience. Yeah, I can imagine just the joy that they have, and knowing that you contributed to that can just be, must be great. Yeah, it's great. So I've I've only sort of guided uh, two. Um, vision impaired runners but um yeah a lot of runs with one person and and i i did a park run with uh with another person and are you tethered to them i'm just trying to i'm trying to remember seeing a guided runner before and i thought they had a loop to make sure that they stayed together yeah so there's a small tether um so basically what will happen is you'll it depends on the on the runner, but you know um, some are more confident than others. But 
um, essentially you have a small a tether and, and, you know, if you're just on a long run and you're just sort of running along um, and it's quite easy pace, um, the tether will sort of be at full length, which is probably, you know, um, 40 centimetres, I would say, sort yeah. of no, no longer than that. Um, but then when you start to sort of go around sharp corners or there's crowds around, they'll come back to the shoulder. So what they'll do is um, just let go um, and put their hand on your left or right shoulder, depending on the side that they're running on, um, because they, they can feel more by your yeah. body moving than the than the tether. Yeah. And even it's a lot – it must be a lot safer than trying to count in or explain a turn to just if they can feel your body moving, it'd, it'd be a lot yeah. easier to, to track that. They're pretty switched on in terms of what they're doing because that's what they yeah. do all the time. So they're, <laughs> they're, so. they're ready. They're ready for it. But the the one mistake that we all make is that you try to pull on them, um, right? So you know they're holding the tether and it's like, oh gosh, they're sort of going, and that's what you shouldn't do. You know, pull, pull on up because that sort of sends a message to them that they're in they're in a little bit of danger. Okay. Um, but the first reaction is if you're sort of not going the same way is to sort of pull on it. Um, but, you know, ultimately you're both holding each end. So as soon as they feel a little bit of tension, they realise that they're going the wrong way sort of yeah. just Or something just happens to you. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, um, yeah, you just got to be really careful that, you know, the little things, um, this particular guy here that I've, Got it. He did Gold Coast Marathon one of the years that I did it, and he he had a fall just towards the end, and it was just oh, the guide didn't call count him in to um, where the it, the finishing shoot they have that like plastic um, temporary flooring that they put down oh, over, over yeah. grass and didn't count him into that, and it was only a small lip, but it was enough for him to catch his foot and. Um, and down he went, right? So they're the, they're the tiny little things. If, if you forget something like that, you can... Or your uh, brain might, you know, I could almost imagine my brain thinking the, the change in this surface isn't substantial enough to mention, but you don't yeah. you don't feel it the same way they do. Yeah, you should always, any change in surface, you should, should be communicating. But, yeah, you're right. It, it just seems normal. There must be a group somewhere or somewhere, some sort of guided running thing online. See yeah, the best way to get involved in, in it is um, you just head down to it. The Achilles have a, a run. I'm not sure whether it's Saturday or Sunday, but it's one of the mornings. Um, and, yeah, you sort of just reach out to them. You can, I think, reach out by Facebook, but they have a, a group down there and they sort of just run around the tan. Yep. Um, pretty safe environment. There's quite a few... Uh, vision impaired runners out and um yeah quite a lot of guides so a lot of people's experience so that that's probably the best place to to sort of tr to, to trial it and, and and give back a little so that's achilles is that a, is that achilles that's, yeah that's the name of the an organization cool yeah and they wear like a bright yellow um running singlet you probably now that i've said that you'll probably start to see them at at events and oh no and yeah, around the tan and yeah. Yeah, totally. Last last event, I do remember seeing a guy running. They were bright yellow, um, which I assume is 
to mostly help sighted people know that they're about because the bright yellow doesn't really help other people that, that much. Yeah, it's just as, so that everyone knows that they're um, there's a blind blind runner there to you know be a little bit respectful and try and give them you know space um, space yeah. That was the main. That was the main question I really, really wanted to make sure I asked before before I, I, I wrapped anything up. I, I did want to just find out though what sort of. I'm a couple of weeks away from the marathon. I'm not really worried. I'm sort of just. It's, I, I think it's just going to be more of a, a relaxing experience for me because it's. I, I'm not. I haven't got hard times i'm not trying to qualify for something i'm not trying to work in anything but i'm just i don't know is there any any tips any any advice you can give just to make it a an even easier experience or i don't know something that you you sort of wish you knew before you started um so i think this is probably consistent with what you would hear from from a lot of people but the marathon is a um it's a brutal distance, you know, like it's a, it's a long way. It's a lot of time to be out there. Um, and, you know, for us recreational runners, you know, in comparison to the the elites, we're out there a yeah. lot longer um, than than what they are. So, you know, that time on feet is really, can be really, really difficult. Um, and you'll hear people say that, you know, you just got to get the 30K marathon starts at the last 10. Yeah. Um, but it it's really true. Like you just – you can have a really, really horrible experience um, and it can, can come really quickly, you know, where you're, um, you've just gone out way too hard and then all of a sudden at 25K, you know, you're in, you're in a lot of trouble. So to make it the, an enjoyable experience, be conservative early, enjoy the run. There's a, a podcast that I listen to and one of the guys on there, he, he says, make sure you're on the couch for the first 20K, <laughs> all right? Which, which is hard to think of, but it's it's really true. Like you just need to really conserve early, um, tick the kilometres off, and if it gets hard at thirty eight k, well, that's fine, so be it. But you don't want to think it hard at twenty five. So <laughs> take it nice and easy. Yeah, and um, yeah, and then and then enjoy the, you know, the last ten k. I, I still think that there's nothing more special than crossing that line of a, of your first marathon um yeah you know, everyone after that is still special but like they're just special moments so the last thing you want to be doing is is crawling to the line <laughs> well, that's true and I, I i think i would take a lot of solace in the way you explained earlier if your gold coast was one of the best ones you did because you didn't go out hard or anything you in terms of preparation and perf- I don't know whether you can you call it one of the best times you've done, but it's it was one you said one of the best ones in, in, in setup because you just went out with a, an easier attitude. And I think that helps you get to the line from the sounds of things. That was that was the that's one of the big benefits. Yeah, it's all about the execution, you know, it doesn't matter how how fast someone is, you will you will see people on the side there. They're walking, they're stepping off the course. You know, it's there's a lot of people who don't don't even finish it. Um yeah. because we can all run really fast for 10K. 
15, <laughs> 20, not even halfway yet. So, yeah, just be, be conservative, enjoy it, and and you'll uh, you'll have a great run. Uh, uh, it's exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Th- thanks for the thanks for the chat, Craig. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thanks, Luke. No worries, mate. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, thanks, Craig. I just realised, uh, uh, listening back to Craig's interview, that it does show how much running has improved his life and, and yeah, for, for me as well. And it, it's really useful for a lot of people. I, I think that's partly why it's called, this, this podcast is called Park One Life because it's more about the community that running has supplied and, and the help it, it gives than... Uh, any specific running goals. And the comparison I can give that is in for community is that in comedy, there's good support. Like in, in the comedy industry, you get off stage and whether you've done well or not, there's, there's good support from everybody. But there is a little bit a little bit of envy still. Like there's a friend of mine calls a group of comedians a gripe because there's always someone complaining about who's getting work and how much time they're getting on stage and which jokes are, are working and which are just, you know, smart and shouldn't be laughed at and, you know, the frustration of sometimes the crowd is happy and, and they want to hear the junk and smutty stuff and sometimes they want to hear the, the jokes you like or whatever. There's there's all this sort of toing and froing and it all depends on other people as much as you think it should be just about, you know, the enjoyment you're having now. It's, it's really about everybody else. But in running, if you want to run a marathon, you go and sign up, you know. And there's no expectation that you'll make money from it. So you, you, you pay a hundred two hundred dollars whatever it is to have all the roads closed for the day so you can go for a long run and all the volunteers help out and it's it's lovely and everybody around is just happy that you're doing it and you know there's no there's obviously the quantifiable time factor but at the same time you just you just it's your own time and i think that's good because then everybody's just sort of happy that you're doing it You're, you're not um you're not beholden to some sort of audience or some competition or payment. Um, even though that's a factor, but you know it's not as it's not as pressured. I think that's I don't know. That's what I think, and I think it's it's good. I th- that's why I like park runs because they they're good groups of people. I did want to give a shout out because not long ago I I did a run in Melbourne. It's called Run the Tan. It's on Saturday morning. If you do park runs, uh, that Saturday morning. But Run the Tan is different because it's at the tan, but it's also it's not timed. So it's purely the social running aspect. Um, and so that's a really good group to catch up with. Um, just to go for a social run. I went, had a chat with some people, someone from Canada talked about running fully rugged up um, and we also talked about running in Darwin and uh, how the if they do a steeplechase event they should have a crocodile in the pool part of the steeplechase because you know, that would be authentic and touristy, you know, tourists would come and watch that 
steeplechase with crocodiles. Why not? Darwin, do it. There's an idea. You love crocodiles. You've got runners. Make that happen. I thought that was great fun. I don't, I don't want to do it, but uh, somebody else can do it. Uh, I thought I'd just briefly mention um, in the series that I did about running the half marathon, I mentioned a couple of times about dating failures. And so in this movie-length episode, what do I talk about my dating uh, life? Uh, nothing at all. I got off the apps. I've stopped trying. Uh, as friend and, and great comedian Jacqueline Mifsud says, uh, you can't lose a game you're not playing. So I called bullshit on the dating apps, stopped, and it's so nice not to be rejected or, or feel failure every weekend or, or day, as it may be. So, um, yeah, that's that's good. That's, that's been a, a happy change to life. Um, but anyway, back to, to this bit. I'm about to run the Queenstown Marathon. And so a couple of weeks ago, I interviewed... Sean, my running coach, about preparing for the marathon. There was a bit of detail that was just purely about me, so I edited that part out. So you you can hear the stuff about carb loading and massaging and uh, planning for the course and shoes and all that kind of stuff. Also about how to avoid hitting the wall, which is that moment that I've never felt where the body just says, enough's enough. And the brain can't override the body anymore. And you stop and you, you're done. How to avoid all of that? Well, th- that's part of what we talk about. Being prepared. So listen to this interview. And But first, I've always wanted to say this. But first, a word from our sponsor. I use Mod Squad Running. I use Mod Squad Running. I use Mod Squad. I use Mod Squad. I use Mod Squad Running. Whether it's couch to 5k or marathon to 100, I use Mod Squad Running. Search online Mod Squad Running and witness the fitness. You know, your first marriage is um, is pretty unique. Um, what, what was yours? Mine was Gold Coast in. Um, 2000 and, uh, 2014, I think. 2014? That's only eight years ago. I, um, yeah, I thought you'd that, been running a, a lot more than that. No, 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 no. I mean, you know, if you should dare to um, to have a doodle around my Facebook history, like if Amy wants to wants to have a jab at me or whatever, or, you know, make fun of me, etc., she'll just pull a photo of me from, um, from, you know, 11 years, 12 years ago, maybe when I was still living abroad. Um. Yeah, not looking exactly the same, the same figure that I currently have. Oh, so just I remember you talking to you, and you said you just you just jumped back into running and just kept going. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Hey, we got a fair bit of housekeeping to cover. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, you know, the first thing we should say is you know congratulations for getting this far. Um, because um, there's a huge amount of um, effort and sacrifice and determination, all that, all that stuff um, that goes into a marathon campaign, and you're actually doing a pretty good job just to actually get to the start line. Um, so, so yeah, Thank that's you. impressive in itself. I mean, if we look at the sort of background context, it was only a few months ago that you still had some knee niggles and all of that type of stuff. 
Um, but anyway, yeah, it's just, yeah, so it's, it's well done, you know, congratulations. You know, you're almost within, within, within sniffing distance and, you know, coming days and, you know, the remaining two and a half weeks may kind of feel like so forth. But, um, but, but you are, you are almost there. You are almost on the start line and, you know, marathon start line is, is a different feeling to, a half marathon or a 10k start line it's um yeah there's a whole nother um air of of happiness and and uncertainty and anxiety and happiness again <laughs> but this period out so yeah as i said two and a half weeks out um if you're going to get a massage and um, you have had massages before, so yep. I would probably I would probably recommend it. Um, you need to make sure that you've got that booked in, um, and you wouldn't have a massage any later than Tuesday at the very at the very latest of race week. Okay, probably even Monday might be might be slightly more 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 preferable. Okay, yeah. just noting it. Um, uh, it's a Saturday marathon. So, yeah, so Monday, right? So that means that um, if Matt or whoever, you know, wants to get stuck into anywhere, um, it does still give him a window to get stuck in if need be. It also gives you still the opportunity to get a handful of runs in post-massage, yeah, just to, you know, feel like your normal running self prior to the um Prior to the start line. Okay. So I'd say Monday. Um, I already mentioned to you um, a couple of weeks ago, um, but you've already had massive sacrifice um, or lots of different sacrifices across lots of dimensions throughout the campaign. So now just go the final step. Yeah. So just remove alcohol uh, from your diet for this remaining, remaining two and a half weeks. Yep. Um, and, you know, as you experience, you just notice a difference with your sleep, for example, and then you notice a difference with your running when you're sleeping well. Yeah. Um, get organised as far as what your nutrition requirements for the race are going to be um, and obviously making sure that you've tested them out for maximum intake as well. So, what's your current thinking as far as um, gels for the um, for, for the marathon? Well, what I have been doing is you know, run before the run, and then just run every ten k has been what I've been yeah averaging, and that seems okay. And, and I've been running with a, a water pack everywhere, and I almost feel like continuing with that in the marathon because trying to drink out of those cups is a nightmare and i'm just used to it and it feels like something that when I, if, I, if i want to have a drink i've got it there i don't have to worry. yeah sure yeah 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 all good you know if that's what you're used to um and you know that's what you feel comfortable with well then by all means you know follow follow that approach yeah um yeah, gel-wise, you know, probably 10K, you know, at minimum. I mean, I'd be I'd be squeezing that in down to 8K or even 7K if you could. 
yeah. you know, this long run this weekend, why don't you try taking a gel every um, every seven seven to eight k? Okay. Yeah. Yep. Let's just see how the how the stomach tolerates it as well, and then do the same for your um, for your remaining marathon pace uh, workout next week. Um, I haven't put in your plan, but I will put in your plan a carb load plan. Yeah. The okay. carb load plan is pretty important. Um, at minimum two days out from the race, um, then needs to be a just effort as far as um, taking additional carbs um, into your diet. Yeah. And it's the type of thing you kind of need to plan for. So what I'll um so I'll put in your plan an example of one that I've used before. Yep. Yeah. And it's actually all based off the guidance that the sports dietitians of Australia, whatever that institute is, actually 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 advise. But you do it in such a way so that you transition your way into it, right? Because if you were to take in the maximum dietary um, guidance, then that's a that's a massive amount of carb intake compared to what your normal diet would would be. Um, so it's kind of like um. If I'm not working at the same level they are, I don't need the same carbs. It's basically yeah, but uh, but but it's still it's still a no brainer, right? So you know you want to get the most out of yourself um, in the marathon. You want to be feeling the best. You don't want to be approaching depletion. You want to do your best to to avoid the wall, right? Yep. Um, and one of the key strategies behind uh, behind avoiding the wall is making sure that you that you've that you've that you've loaded appropriately. Yeah. So you're going to kick it off on the Wednesday, for example, right? And you know maybe on the Wednesday you'll go fifty percent of the um, of the dietary um, guidance, and then the next day on Thursday, you know you might ramp that up to sixty five seventy percent. And then on the Friday, you might ramp that up to, um, you know, 85% or thereabouts. Yeah. Yep. And you want to actually create a, um, a carb load plan, which isn't still a massive stretch from your typical um, dietary intake as well. So, you know, nothing massively foreign. Yep. Um, but that's something that you do need to um, plan for and make sure that you're, you're, um, you're, you're ahead of the game, and you know you've got your um, you got your kitchen stocked well ahead of time, etc. So you're not just you know farting around with it, you know, within those um two three day window. Um, I think I saw your post that your race shoes are sourced, which is the Brooks Ghost. Yep. Um, and you'll do a couple of small runs in those uh, between now and the marathon. Yep. Yep. And I think that, you know, your approach for that is right. You know, you've gone with a pair of shoes um, that are really super comfortable, yeah, because for a 42.2K, you want a pair of shoes that are super, super comfortable. Yes. Yeah. Um, and they've still got some structure, some support to them, et cetera, too. Um, and then for some for some mixed surface, I think that they've got um, a fair bit of grip too. Yeah, bit of stability and, yeah, I'm I've run in them a lot, so there's no, there's not going to be any surprises in that in that shoe. Yeah. What's your um? What are your travel logistics? So flight is Wednesday morning. Yep. Uh, so arrive 
New Zealand time Wednesday ish afternoon. Yeah. Uh, Wednesday afternoon ish. And yeah. then um in Queenstown. In, in Queenstown, direct. Um lovely yeah. old jet star decided that the to cancel my flights a little bit uh, a while ago, so I had to change them all. But um now I'm flying Virgin and going yeah, direct to Queensland, no, Queenstown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope I go to yeah. Queenstown and not Queensland. That would be a mistake. <laughs> um, and yeah, so then I've got what is it, two, three days to That's sort of just nice. settle and and get set to the time zone is the other thing. I think. Right. This might sound a bit stupid, but I was thinking of um, starting to set my alarm to New Zealand time, like from Monday. Yeah. And to start. Yeah. Because it's you know we're off onto the bus to start the run at six a.m. New Zealand time, which is going to be what four three a.m. Australian time, and I don't want that to be a shock to the system. Yeah. So um, right. So you take a bus to the start line because it's an A to B. Yeah. And this bus goes out forty two k's or thereabouts. Uh, yeah, yeah, whatever the direction is, yeah. Okay. Um, any opportunity to see the course while you're actually in those in those in those leading days? Uh, uh, because it's off track, I'd have to actually because some of it's off track. I don't think I can take a, a road tour. I'd have to um, effectively cover the course. To a yeah. Degree. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Certainly not essential. If the opportunity presented, you know, there's pros and cons, right? Um, but the pros are mentally taking in the course. Yeah. And that kind of takes away the surprise element in the um, in the mar- in the marathon itself. So yeah, look- the only thing I'm sort of worried about looking at the course map. Is mm. the um, the gradients? Not, I'm not worried about going uphill at all. It's, it's, there's a couple yeah. of fair. Looks like they're fairly steepish downs at two yes. points. Yeah, and those are the ones I'm, I'm a little bit. You know, that's the recovery. That's the thing you have to recover from afterwards. I, I, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, we'll we'll touch on it in any case. Um, but, yeah, when you come to sort of downhill sections within the course and it does look like, you know, up to the 25K mark, you've got some significant sort of downhill sections and it is a net downhill course as well, yeah. then the primary thing you're doing there is that you're, um, is that you're, you're conserving your quads, right? Um, because if you were to take advantage of those downhills and run them hard, <laughs> yeah, then trust me, when you get to that flat, if you get to flat at about 25K, yeah, you're not going to be able to take advantage uh, of that flat section, right? And I think your race strategy has to be about putting yourself in a position where you can take advantage of that flat section from 25K mark onwards. Yeah. I would hazard a guess that, 85% 85% of the athletes will not be taking care of their bodies sufficiently in that opening 25Ks and yeah. then they'll be smashed for the closing stages. 
I think yeah. that's the one thing I've learned with every every run is to try and slow and be careful at the start, so that you because yeah. you, know, you always feel fresh, but that doesn't last. Yeah. But with going yeah. downhill, trying to conserve going downhill, I'm assuming that's a case of just keeping steps short and not stretching yeah, out is. at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, overstriding is the classic that really hammers the quads. Yep. So small, quick footsteps, yeah. But when I say, I'm saying quick, but not fast, fast, you know, certainly not sprinting or anything like that. It's more like a controlled descent rather than a a running descent. Yeah, 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 100%. Um, And then, you know, just staying super relaxed as well, right? I don't think it's going to be the type of um, the type of trail where you need to have your arms out sideways, keeping yourself balanced as you go downhill, etc. Yeah, but just staying nice and relaxed, still focus on that good form. But as you said, small steps, maybe leaning over slightly from the ankles. Yeah. Yeah. Look, we spoke before about um, your focus now is not doing anything that can add risk um, to you being on the start line in your best possible shape. But anyway, um, yeah, mental state, you know, do what you do, do what you can do as far as um, just staying cool and calm uh, from here to the start line. Um, You might even, you know, your call, but you might even choose like a relaxation-based activity to start sort of bookending how you start the day and finish the day. you know, could be meditating, could be something meditation related, could could be could be could be just, you know, reading something potentially non-running related. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, good to good to try and foster getting yourself in that nice, just sort of calm, relaxed, relaxed place. At the same time, in a really relaxed way, um, then you know, start also thinking about what your motivators and sort of key um things you're going to think about and tell yourself are when you do find the tougher the tougher parts of the race yeah so you know do you have anything written on your wrist or you know is there anything um over the most recent months that stands out which with which you think will channel the best out of you um that you kind of like consciously you know tell yourself when you come to those tough times yeah, I don't know. I'm just what you said before, something about learning from the past runs and looking back at what parts like I just remember the, the last one thinking about how lucky it was to be doing it and just running amongst all these people in this great yeah. area. Yeah. And just each time I think back at another run, think of a moment that I was just stand, just running along Melbourne streets early morning or in the uh, e- evening in Sydney or somewhere and it was just it was just yeah. felt so just a great chance to do that stuff that yeah when you when I feel crap it's about you know focus on the form and ignore everything else but when it, otherwise it's just how how lucky it is to get this chance yeah. to do it yeah 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 totally mate and you know you're going to have that cumulative effect in queenstown there are a lot of people that that will be doing queenstown um this year that haven't been able to you know in recent years exactly so you know you've got that whole thing going on as well as 
you know, just the amazing environment that you're going to be surrounded by too. Yeah. Yeah. But all sorts of things can happen in a marathon, mate. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Yeah, well, you know, it's still it's still it's still a tiny portion of the population that actually, you know, decide that they actually want to, you know, do something as significant as a marathon with all the training behind it as well. So, you know, you're about to enter a pretty cool, pretty cool, pretty cool minority. So you just reminded me that I also part time I do stand up comedy. There's very few people that think that's a good idea too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll let you go, mate. But I'll, I'll yeah, okay, mate. Well done, mate. Thank you very Good much. Work. Thanks, Sean. Okay. Catch up. The goal of the Queenstown Marathon was different depending on who you asked. Um, the prediction device on my watch that said I would finish the marathon in three hours and 32 minutes. Sean's one plan had me finishing just under 3 hours and 30 minutes but to be honest my goal was anything under 4 hours I was just trying to take it easy you know just just get there you know that, that was giving me a 30 minute difference and I thought what could go wrong is Stacy and I along with a friend Annette um, we were representing the mod squad crew and we we're Got the bus to the start line and all was good. And well, Stacy was quite stressed, but uh, she'd been training for a half marathon and with five weeks of ex extra preparation, was now lining up for the full 42 kilometres. Um, and that, having um, done the course three times previously, she was calm, ready, and I was pretty dismissive. I was pretty relaxed. I think I wanted to be relaxed because I didn't want to spend any nervous energy. And I had done all the training. I ticked all the boxes. I massaged cartilage. Had a good pair of shoes. My water pack was filled with electrolytes. I'd even found a video online that showed the course, and um, it mostly featured the sponsor's car, and therefore drove along all the roads and repeated the mantra that it was flat out beautiful. So I felt ready. I'd done the training. What could possibly go wrong? Well, for the first 16 kilometres, um, well, I guess not much. I sat on the couch, I, as as Craig suggested. Not physically, but mentally. I, I felt really fine. It was impressive. Um, there was many hills, though, and many hills to go up and many hills to go down in that 16k. Uh, it's listed as an undulating course is what they described it as. Um, had trained on plenty of hills. I've, I felt that even though this was a surprise it wasn't the worst thing that was going to hit my body. I'd swung my arms going up the hills to help lift it, lift it up and I, I ran with short steps with my foot body slightly forward so that I could use some of the gravity and and I was following some YouTube advice on going down hills and trying to take the pressure off the hills and hamstrings by 
landing with more of a forefoot and therefore lean forward and the foot would strike flat on the ground and that would be better. And with this approach I was overtaking many people, I felt good, I was not even running at the prescribed pace. Sean had set me five minutes and five sort of pace at around this stage and I was hovering around the five minute and ten pace and there's plenty of photographs and you can see photographs of me at this distance smiling and I'll share them. The background is beautiful. 16 kilometers in I remember looking at my watch because I thought it's a bit early for my legs to feel sore and my stomach was feeling a bit crappy. I'd, I'd had two gels at this stage um, and a bunch of the electrolyte in my running pack and I thought I'd, I'd change things up. I'd, I'd brought some jelly beans the day before um, at a gift shop and I pulled them out to share with some others who were around me. They didn't want any but I offered them and I ate, ate some myself as sort of like this nice reward for myself just to keep things interesting but I did think that at uh, 16 kilometres to try and keep things interesting was a little bit early on. At the 20 kilometre mark the, where the grin began to bin I guess is the phrase and I started to think that this slogan of flat out beautiful uh, had a comma missing flat out comma beautiful is probably what it should be because the flat parts out and it is beautiful I've gone up too many hills at too quick a pace and probably down them again too quick at 26 kilometers I was digging for some sort of motivation I enjoyed the view but the view wasn't really helping <laughs> I'd been grateful of the of the company and friends I'd had for the couple of days beforehand but that wasn't a stimulating factor either at 30 kilometers I was still overtaking people my pace had dropped but I was still running up hills, I was feeling pain but I was steady, I, I thought it wasn't going to worsen, I thought I could just keep going. And 34 kilometres, it was about 3 hours and 10 minutes, I was starting to wonder if I could continue. These mountains, these beautiful snow capped mountains that just pushed up there by tectonic movements and rocks and all this survival of the weathered storms and trees growing out of crevices against what would appear to be an absence of nutrients and these pristine clear still lakes that was just a sign that nothing lived on them it's 37 kilometers came and that it was less than a park run away to the finish that's what I told my legs as they screamed pinning every piece of resistance that they could into my brain and I looked up and I saw the lowest rise in the course just this gentle long gradient leading to, away from me 
might have been like a 10 meter rise but by that stage I've gone up and down 300 meters 350 meters of elevation and 400 meters of descent and I saw those rise ahead of me and I just thought I need a break 37 kilometers and my body said I needed a break just just a little one so four hours was all I was going forward to be honest I might have been able to get close to that 330 something mark if I kept going but I didn't think I could keep going so I walked I slowed I walked I walked that gentle rise <laughs> angry <laughs> then I tried to move into a, a run again and maybe I shuffled for a little bit but every command I tried to persuade over the legs the legs just didn't agree I remember videos of people whose legs shake underneath them and I felt that a couple of times you're trying to lift that knee up and out and forward and it's just not doing what you want there's 38 kilometer point four kilometers to go and people I passed like 20 kilometers ago when they were going past me I tried to run again and I, I, I did keep a pace for a, a few hundred meters but then I stopped and had to walk some more and I looked at my watch and just under three kilometers to go it was three hours and 37 minutes had passed and I thought I don't know if I can make this four hour easy goal of mine so I started to swing my arms I just tried to teach the lower half of my body what to do by moving the top half as though it was it would work in unison like creating that form that good running form of driving the elbows through with lift the corresponding knee leg foot move that at a similar pace and I started to drive and started to kick at those legs and I stretched that leg that that walk out into a slight hurry and and pushed it and three hours and 42 minutes had passed and I had two kilometers to go and I wanted to finish that last two kilometers running for nothing else I just wanted to finish that last two kilometers running and I just told the legs that had enough and to shut up and we gotta get going you've had your break break time is over buddy and each step was a hurt but you just pushed it and then there was an actual step to step on and had to push up over that as I ran those last two that first kilometer was the longest kilometer I've ran and I knew I was running I was running at this stage but it didn't feel quick
one kilometre to go and I started to hit the crowds in the town. And I've got to tell you, the crowds on that course were fantastic. The whole way, there'd be people who'd look at your race bib and your name would be on there, so they'd call it out to encourage you and support you, calling out your name. And they did it for everyone on the course, and it was a lovely gesture. Really do like the people of this town. But I remember 400 metres to go and there was another hill. And I remember thinking, we're not stopping. And I remember hearing people surprised because they could, must have been able to see some sort of grimace or they just knew that I was running faster than anybody else at that stage. They didn't know I'd had to stop. They just must have thought I'd put on this spurt, which is what it was, a spurt at the end. Ran up that bit of a hill, ran over a roundabout, down the last ramp to the finish straight. And going down that ramp, I think that's where I realised that it was going down those hills that hurt the most. Because going down that ramp was just singing of thigh pain but rounded onto the grass and hearing commentator saying here's someone putting in sprinting to them and called out my name and I crossed that line and I remember being told don't Stop your watch, don't just stop there, keep moving. Because you never know if the course is slightly short and you don't want your watch to tell you that you haven't finished a full marathon. So I crossed that finish line, walked through to the, picked up the, 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 the medal that they were handing out. I actually didn't pick it up, I made the person put it on my neck because I couldn't, my hands were even cramping at that stage. And I grabbed a banana, sculled a glass of water, and collapsed to the ground. <laughs> and moved to the side to get out of people's way. And just lay there, prodded against the fence for quite some time. And then got up eventually very slowly stopping every so often very slowly walked around to the baggage area and saw all the steps up to where my backpack was waiting and I sat and curled over into a fetal position <laughs> somebody said are you okay and I said I th think I just need a rest and eventually felt good enough to move and eventually got my bag and some energy bars and a beer with Stacey and Annette who'd both done fantastic runs and I found my time and it was Three hours and 54 minutes. 
I don't know if I count it as having run a marathon because I didn't run the whole way. Everybody else says I it counts. Everybody, everybody's very supportive like that. But yeah, after potentially an hour after the run, I was already planning my next one because I can finish that running. And I can finish that in 3 hours and 30. And that's the goal for next year in Berlin. And a few more park runs. I hope you're well. I'm trying to make this an enjoyable end, but I am very tired. <laughs> so, I'm going to thank you very much for listening. And... Get out there and enjoy a park run life. Hi, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Park Run Life. This is the outro where I tell you that you can get in contact via parkrunlife at gmail.com or you can contact me directly on social media at Luke Morris. Ha! That's L U K E. M-O-R-R-I-S-H-A That's pretty much all I have to say. Have a good one. Thank you, Blue, for the music. Please don't sue.